0: The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health.
1: Well, welcome everyone. It's Dr. Ron Hockey from the Real Health Podcast again. And, and it's my real pleasure today to have uh, Dr. Charles Meekin, who uh, is very happy to be referred to as Dr. Chuck. So Dr. Ron and Dr. Chuck are going to be on the program today. Dr. Chuck, thanks so much for coming on and speaking with us today.
2: I'm honored to be here and uh, thanks to Amber for getting this set up pretty quickly and my partner Addie from heal navigators uh, we work with heal navigators for sort of finding this and this time slot and uh, I'm honored to be here
1: well you know this program is about real health and you have uh, in your background you've been in in oncology you've uh, you're you're a metabolic coach uh, this concept of metabolic health seems to be at the core of what you do at this point in your career. What is that, and how did how did you arrive at this point?
2: So, like all of us in our career, you know, the, the first the path isn't that clear. Um, as a as a kid, I was always interested in mind mind versus body, and and studied the martial arts and studied. Eastern religions and Eastern philosophies, you know, through high school and college, ultimately went to med school. Was very charged to help out in the caring profession, and therefore chose oncology because I thought that best studied the the relationship of the the body, the mind, and the spirit in a difficult situation. Um, I worked in in a way where I always tried to bring the the easiest, you know, most available you know, therapies to people using the best of standard of care. I was in a big group with, you know, with some of the best and the brightest. And secondly, but also the the lifestyle issues that I felt that were just so important. You know, it, it just it never made sense to me to see a patient that had terrible lifestyle issues, you know, sleep, diet, exercise, you know, emotions you know, then I call um, mission alignment, sort of a purpose in life. Yet we were only dealing with sort of uh, the details of some sort of chemotherapy or radiation treatment. And so as that wound through, I ultimately launched into sort of this second career working, focusing on mainly metabolic issues, using repurposed drugs to enhance the outcome with cancer care and also to prevent chronic disease. Metabolic care would be described as sort of, you know, how to best improve or optimize the internal utilization of our nutrient, energy, oxygen and substrates to have efficient metabolism and therefore help our body to work most efficiently. And sort of like in the work you do, this involves a lot of micronutrients, a lot of, uh, lifestyle modifications, and I try to bring a platform to people that they can study that rather quickly in a virtual format at low cost, and then have options to sort of modify, you know, hitting the big priorities first as they sort of go through their health path, generally with cancer, but sometimes with other things.
1: Yeah, the the whole cancer paradigm has been so tumor-centric, like focusing on the cancer as the tumor without really looking at how that person's metabolic health or lack of it set the stage for that tumor to find a place to grow. In other words, if a person has a weak immune system or if they are inflamed or if their blood sugar is way out of whack, that's setting a a ground stage, a, a terrain stage that allows for cancer cells to, to grow and to thrive. So without dealing with the metabolic part of the human being, uh, the, the outcome uh, is not gonna be as good in cancer care. At least that's been my experience.
2: Exactly, exactly. I always say that you know we need to kind of put out the fire but also correct the terrain. And, um, you know, Everybody in the cancer world has read the, you know, the the hallmarks of cancer by, uh, by Hanahan and Weinstein. Right. And in 2019, they added two more hallmarks that are more metabolic in their their mindset. So there's sort of this debate, and and my partner at Meekin Metabolic Care, Travis Christofferson. He's an author and- wrote the book I love Champion his of the book. Truth. I love his book. He's he's yeah, a great yeah, author. And he, he's a wonderful writer. He can take complex things and simplify them. And so he was able to communicate the message that, you know, we're missing something here. You know, there's the somatic mutation theory of cancer, where you look at a gene mutation, and then you, once again, as you said so well, look at just the tumor, and you pound away at, you know, maybe mutations or- you know, over-proliferation flaws in a certain genome. Uh, and, and many of those mutations are downstream mutations from lack of regulation, whereas Travis and many others have sort of targeted more, let's look at the metabolic theory. The somatic somatic mutation theory is not unimportant, but the metabolic theory is is also important. And that involves, you know, once again, the environment of the body, how metabolism works and how to optimize that to kind of get the immune system and the the drivers of proliferation back into control. And um so that's sort of what we do to um to help people improve the outcome or optimize the outcome with their cancer therapies. And um we have a virtual platform. I cover 45 states keeping up with those licenses I know Reardon Clinic covers 50 states and 50 countries, but uh, I got my 45 licenses and we have pharmacies that cover all the U.S. And then for outside the U.S., I just do sort of coaching calls more more than MD calls. We've uh, been fascinated with how
1: many cancer patients, when you start digging down into the the, uh, causes of their cancer, there's oftentimes a traumatic event or a series of traumas mm-hmm. that were uh, kind of an initiating, didn't didn't necessarily start the cancer, but it had a kind of domino effect on their whole metabolism. And it, mm-hmm. to me, uh, what's interesting about that is that we're now finding out that the brain is very susceptible to traumas, not just concussions. life traumas and uh, stress and those kinds of things. And so it's interesting to see how the mind-body connection is now starting to be understood as a a legitimate scientific area of exploration to where we need to help our patients understand themselves and to take action in the direction of healing some of these traumas and uh, helping their Brain body connection to work better together. So, and that does involve a lot of coaching and and one on one therapy. So, do you get into that much these days?
2: Yeah, I, I do. Thank you, Dr. Ron. Um, you know, on our onboarding form, uh, and I'm trying to walk the rope between making it, you know, easy and available, cheap. People pay out of pocket. And and, but also high touch, high effective. Uh, people do an onboarding form, and I we ask about the stress in their life, we ask about their social engagement, we ask about their mission alignment. And mission alignment is sort of your the term that describes or what you do every day. How does it match up with your long-term life goals? You know, some of those goals might be altruistic or you know you know, how to leave a footprint or a fingerprint, you know, when we're gone. And then social engagement, you know, especially with us men, you know, we yeah you know, we we collapse into solitude and we are pack animals, you know, we, we're used to sleeping in caves with our our, our our tribe more or less. And it's important that we lock arms with our loved ones and 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 you know work through this together and unfortunately so often in our standard of care you know programs and, and I hear this every day as I see people you know like yeah you know I went to that you know big uh, you know cancer center and they told me I got three or six or nine months to live and you know I know they need to give consent and give people sort of straight beef on what the risks are but there's never a good reason to destroy hope, and you know the nocebo effect is just as powerful as the placebo effect in a positive way. So you can you can walk people into a, a you know a deterioration if you allow your language to do that. So um, you know I under, I try to spread the word that that is very important. In fact, um, it is probably as important. It's a lot of the hard for standard of care stuff we do in my mind.
1: Yeah. So I'm uh, one of the books I recommend all of my cancer patients to read is uh, Anti-Cancer Living. Is that by Dr. Cowan? I, I forget what his last name is, but he's the, the head of the integrative uh, department there at MD Anderson. And uh, he, he basically says that epigenetically speaking, in other words, the lifestyle choices that we make... In, in, uh, in our lives, uh, have at least 50%, probably more than 50% to do with the outcome of the, of the therapy in a cancer situation. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he lists as his number one factor he, uh, is connectivity. So just what you were talking about, if people mm-hmm. feel disconnected, that's not a good prognosis for their outcome. And so helping people get connected with their tribe but also with themselves, you know, because a lot of people Mm -hmm. are, uh, especially in the world that we're living in that they're, they're trying to find connections. They're trying to take better care of themselves, but they, they, uh, they don't know where to turn. And so here at the Reardon Clinic, we've, we've always emphasized, uh, the lifestyle component as being an incredibly important part of effective cancer therapy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on a, Integrative oncology uh, program with with him and uh, you know the 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 original book anti cancer by uh, uh, Paul uh, um, Schreiber Schreiber uh, yes yeah and and um, you know he talked about the terrain and then of course the uh, the book uh, about you know people who back the code and figure out you know, survivorship, um, um, Kelly. Oh, McGonagall, radical remission. She also, yeah. Kelly Turner, Kelly Turner, big part of it, of the nine. I think there was nine key features with all these people who had surprising survival from difficult situations and five of the nine were emotional spiritual. Yes. So it goes to show you the importance of that. I always ask patients, well, you know, why, why do you want to fight this cancer? And a lot of times, you know, it comes out like, well, gee, of course, you know, I, I don't want to die or I don't want to be in pain or I don't want to leave my wife and leave my husband. And then I said, well, why do you not want to leave them? You know, it's peeling back the onion mm-hmm. and and ultimately they get to the core and they figure out why they want to be here. And that's where I get them to try to focus. I said, you need to put that on your mirror. And whether it's, you know, teaching your grandchildren, you know, lessons in courage or whatever that is, you know, put that on your mirror and then look at that every day. And then the hard things of being a cancer patient or a chronic disease patient become easy. You know, you can run through a plot length if you have a good purpose in mind. and um, And so that sort of lights the fire frequently. Then you talk about social engagement, you talk about um you know the importance of a spiritual connection, you talk about uh, as you well know, about um, you know, you can't do this alone, except except uh you know help, but also encourage people to start even in the difficult woes of dealing with something difficult, you want to reach out and help other people, and that's gonna be that's going to immediately cast you as someone that's going to do better, no matter what you read. Uh, I always go back to the book by Lewis Gonzalez, Deep Survival, and the biggest mm. predictor of getting through a shipwreck or a plane wreck or a flood was if someone had to help, like an older person, a child, somebody was injured, it would almost guarantee their success, and uh, they kind of get out of themselves and and reach deep. And um, so, yeah, we try to emphasize those things. We also look at more mechanical things like what your HOMO-IR is or your insulin resistance driver. You know, cancer cells have IGF and insulin receptors on them, and we want to dial that down through diet, suicide, repurposed drugs, intermittent fasting, and those tools. We look at high-sensitive CRP. We have a battery of 12 simple lab that are relatively cheap to get, you know, and we get them at Quest through sort of a, they pay us and then we extend the discount significantly to them. And it looks at some of the core things, not as in depth as I'm sure you do with your, your micronutrient levels and vitamin levels and food sensitivity stuff. We, we do that if we need to, but we get the core stuff, you know, like a basic methylation screen you know, cysteine, thyroid screen, magnesium, LDH, um, uric acid to we'll look at like percolation metabolism, and things like that, all the basic chemistries. And then that goes into a calculator called the MOP calculator, Metabolic optimization Protocol Calculator. And that creates a score. We also do a phenol age, you know, the, the age clock devised by Morgan Levine. And we put those in and it's an open domain pool, I just believed. I think in 2021, maybe. And we calculate their biologic age to compare with their chronologic age or real birthday age. And that gives us another metric to follow. And then we suggest kind of the five biggest variances. And it might be three of them are, you know, non-laboratory driven. They're more like, you need to set up play dates with your buddies, you know, or <laughs> you need to, uh, you know, start the day with, you got to get rid of the trash. You got to rehydrate in a vigorous way in the morning where it might be, I don't know, you need to really step up with resistance training and everybody we see and send pharmaceuticals to, or supplements to, we send a a really durable stretchy band that, I give them like a six basic, you know, around the body, the six biggies, you know, bicep, tricep, chest, back, you know, squat, deadlift. Uh, so they hit those muscles in a gentle way and work up uh, three times a week. You know, we, as you know, the work on muscle maintenance is amazing Incredibly you know, important. to impact all chronic disease dementia, you know, the mild kinds, the cell signaling that come from that are very powerful and it's so frequently undone and overlooked.
0: There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of the Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is hand picked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online.
1: We uh, one of the one of my favorite tests to do just to narrow it down to one test is a fasting insulin. I've been reading uh, Ben Bickman's, you know, Why We Get Sick uh, book. And and if people would just do that test and let that be a kind of wake-up call. It can be a big pat on the back. If you're less than four or five on your fasting insulin, you're doing a great job. But if it's starting to climb up, you're in danger territory. And so this is where I try to invoke uh, Dr. Reardon's great term, uh, co-learning, where I, I want to get into a relationship with the patient where we can learn more about what is it that's unique in your life that allows you to make better choices in favor of better health. I mean, certainly we everything in life is a choice, but how do we know when we're moving in the right direction? And so this is where in functional medicine, by measuring things, it gives you uh, standards that you can then judge how well you're doing that particular area, uh, whether it's a certain vitamin D level or uh, the insulin uh, resistance uh, marker. Yeah. Any of these things give people a starting point. Then you say, okay, now with that, go out and here's some things that you can do. And then in two or three months, come back and let's remeasure and see if you've made any progress. And people will will follow, They'll they'll, they'll change their behavior more to a fact than they will if you sit there and pound them over the head. If if they know that that fact, that insulin resistance number is is uh, scary, that's going to get them to adjust their sugar intake and get their exercise going and those kinds
2: of things. Yeah. Yeah. I I like to work with Ben Beckman. He was on the our consulting board at the the company I used to work for that ultimately merged from care oncology. We do a HOMO IR, which is mm-hmm. just your fasting glucose. You know, I think it's calculated with a, a division by four 405 by your fasting insulin. And you know, the data on that is very powerful. I mean, you will see insulin resistance five to 15 years before your hemoglobin A1C plops. I had a gal just recently. Looks fit as a fiddle, mid 30s. She had a fasting insulin of like mid 80s, but she had a it, excuse me, a fasting glucose in the mid 80s. But she needed uh, an insulin level of I think it was 12. Keep it there. So, you know, she's working too hard to keep that insulin down, and she's on the path. She, she's going to correct, of course. But uh, you can look under the hood pretty easily without spending a lot of money. And we all know that cancer cells, you know, have IGF and insulin receptors on them. Uh, insulin tells the body to do three things. One is tell cells to multiply because we, we're in the fed state. We got we got food around or substrate around. And you don't want your cancer cells seeing that all day long. Um, of course, it also does, you know, other things. It turns off fat burning and it calls the body to store energy because we're in the fed state. So, you know, that's what as you say so well in, in some of your programs, you know, we in America are not fit and uh, over half the population has metabolic disease. And it's because of the cycling we see all day long of our insulin, insulin growth factor. And, you know, you know, in, in the change in our lifestyles. So I, I'm hoping that we're we're gradually spreading the word. i um, I see windows and opportunities that make me, you know, make me excited. You know, we on some of these integrative oncology uh, working group talks, we have people like some of the teams from MD Anderson, Sloan Kettering. We can talk by the breast expert at Sloan Kettering. And what I used to notice was, you know, we treat women with breast cancer, in virtually Good many of them, at least where I was in North Carolina, would become metabolically unfit after treatment. You know, they would gain a lot of weight, they became inactive, uh, they had itises all over the body, you know it. And uh, I said, What are we doing? Of course, you know, often people with Decadron as an anti nausea agent were giving them stuff that makes their joints sore and, and disrupts their sleep. And now they've shown that. At Sloan Kettering, where they have the resources that you know, those women that became insulin resistant or insulin partially insulin resistance through tra- treatment have a much higher rate of recurrence. And um that doesn't surprise any of us, I'm sure, but uh now they're looking at ways to sort of best manage this up front, well, like the stuff you and I do every day, I believe. Yeah, to prevent that. Uh, While well, still people get standard of care, so I, I see the you know some of the conversation you know slowly come on our way,
1: and it's ha- it's happening in several different fields. Like even in mental health, a lot of people who get the various medications for schizophrenia or for depression or for bipolar, the medicines themselves are setting them up to be metabolically disabled. So so we're having to rethink how do we deal with these chronic illnesses besides just using pharmacology or, or uh, chemotherapy? Not to say that these shouldn't be used, but they, I think there's an integrative role for the metabolic syndrome to be uh, a kind of uh, foundation on which we can help people make overall better choices and thereby reduce their risks for this whole plethora, you know, Alzheimer's, uh, the, the mental health diseases, the, uh, the autoimmune diseases, and just, the list goes on and yeah. on. They're all related to the metabolic syndrome.
2: Bingo. And, you know, I, I, wish I could pull the author out of my, but one of the original studies took place in England where they simply gave one half of like a giant prison population, a daily multiple vitamin and the other half they gave placebo. And what they saw was the group that got the daily multiple vitamin, which most of us wouldn't think would be that impactful. They had a a great reduction in their, you know, in their violent behavior in their misbehavior and, you know, getting further lockups. They had a much, much improvement in their overall behavior. And then I go to the work of, uh, I think it was Dr. William wall with the book nutrient power. He as an engineer and worked at a local hospital in Chicago and started seeing these patterns and just had this lifelong learning mindset. He started studying people's diets and their nutrients levels. he found that when he replaced those, many of these people normalized. So my mantra is, you know don't really make the diagnosis of a mental health condition until you optimize people's Right, in health, metabolic health, remove some of the stressors because I think a of us could be mentally unstable with you name it if we were put in the right circumstances of stress, poor diet, you know, circadian rhythm disruption. And so I think, you know, unfortunately, we first treat with meds generally and then people are labeled for life instead of, you know, supporting them metabolically. And, and lifestyle-wise, and then see how they behave. Um, but I think the work's coming around. Some exciting work at Stanford and some of the other um, uh, recent doctor from Harvard who's written on this, uh, uh,
1: Doctor Christopher name? Palmer. Palmer, yes. Yeah, um, I just finished his book on brain energy, and it's yeah. all about there that what we th- you know this this psychiatry has missed out on a fundamental foundation of mental illness, namely dysmetabolic syndrome, that you could just call it mm-hmm. that. And so, uh, so I think uh, uh, the roads now are all starting to converge towards this metabolic syndrome as a foundation uh, in chronic illness. And the value of that is people can take control of their lives and make better choices and thereby... Uh, heal and maybe prevent better than what they ever thought they could.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love your, your sort of organized co-sharing of decision-making there at Reardon Clinic. My tagline, I, you know, after I finished big hospital work, I started a blog or a charity website to coach people. And it, it was always stay strong and curious and be your own best doctor. There you go. And that sort of turns back the responsibility to show up and follow through if you really want to tackle this. Yeah, And uh, it's a little scary for some, but most people would rather have some, you know, some toggle switch of control. Exactly. Themselves. Dr. Chuck,
1: this has been wonderful. I think we could go on for another couple hours here, but we've, uh, I think we have to wrap it up. I'm sorry that we couldn't go more, but and maybe we mm-hmm. can get you back on again and we'll go into greater depths because I think this metabolic syndrome is going to be a a, a place where we can where we can circle the rag, wagons and get all the various components of medicine working together with a commonality that we haven't had before.
2: Yeah. And it, the, as you said they're converging, uh, you know, I believe that Like you do, whether it's mental health or metabolic health, cerebrovascular, cardio, cancer, it all comes down to mitochondrial function. That's it. And uh, Robert Lustig, uh, metabolic researcher at UCSF, he pointed out there are now 14 cancers that are on the rise that are all metabolically driven. You know, they're associated more commonly with the, the risk factor of metabolic this health or obesity, metabolic syndrome, however you want to call it. And so, you know, that's our call to arms to really make that, make people aware of that. And uh, good news is you got easy tools to fix it. But I also wanna, you know, shout out for your clinic. I mean, I know that you guys, uh, you know, have been doing a lot of hard work, you know, for for 30 to 40 years, you are probably, times where, you know, you were sitting alone there at the medical conferences with all the, their doctors, you know, sort of pointing out, you know, that's not quite standard of care and stuff, but uh, it's, it's nice to meet a teammate that, you know, I think our team is getting a little bigger. I think so too. I think so too. um, That brings me excitement to go to work every day.
1: You bet. Dr. Reardon had a vision. And he felt like he was a, a bit of a loner, but gradually more and more people are seeing that this mon- metabolic foundation to health, we've got to build that back if we're ever gonna really restore uh, our, our population to the health levels that they, they really need and deserve. So, But thank you very much for being on our program and I wish you all the best and we'll try to get you back on again here in the, in the near future.
0: Thank
2: you, Dr. Ron and thank you, Amber. Appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.